Hey there, this is Matt Petrowski. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. And this is Matt Navarre. You know what we did? We had an episode. Uh, from about a year ago. Recorded we a really cool interview with, uh, with Scott Love, and then somehow it didn't get online, and other things happened, and he's like, hey, what happened to the episode? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, so, here we go. There it is. <laughs> Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Today, my guest is Scott Love. How you doing? Hey there. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't think I've ever had the pleasure of interviewing you on the podcast before. No, I've... usually we had the good sense to share beers at DevCon. But... <laughs> I was just going to say that. I've known you for like 20-some <laughs> years, seeing you every year at DevCon and other FileMaker conferences. There you but, go. Uh, but uh, it's a big community, so I still have a lot of people that I want to talk to. So anyway, you're here. It's great. You have some... Kind of interesting. Well, not super new, but uh, some changes kind of in your career. You moved back to Colorado. I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've you know worked for many many years with uh, Bob Bowers and Steve Lane at Salient. Founded uh, Salient. Now, gosh, how long has it been? 16, 17 years? No, it's more than that. Um, and uh, really proud of the work that we did there. It's a great great team. Yeah, uh, it is. But I grew up in Colorado. I've got family here, and mm -hmm. and uh, it just sort of evolved that joining New Millennium made good sense. And yeah, yeah, they've been there forever, right? Yeah, and I've known Danny for years and years and years, and mm -hmm. he's a great guy. And um, I think in a lot of ways, uh, sort of figuring out how to graduate New Millennium from a, a small team into, let's say, a less small team has always been something he's aspired to. Um, so we just the more we talked about it, the more it made sense. And hmm. a year and a half ago, I I signed up. How many people are there now? Uh, we've got about 20 folks, a mix of full-time wow. and contractor and so forth. Um, and it's also a mix between custom software development and a focus on both our Genesis products and on accounting and sort of financial literacy and analytics within within businesses. Um, right. N n new Millennium, now Codens, we've uh, recently rebranded uh, the company. Um, yeah, I wanted is, to talk about that too because – that's a name change is a big deal. Sure. Yeah. Well, it is for us. I think, I think, you know, Danny and I are probably the entire list of two people who really care, but <laughs> there you go. No, I care. <laughs> well, well, awesome. Awesome. So I mean, new millennium, well, I mean, was founded in the nineties or whatever, right. Or maybe before then. Yeah. 90, so like 90, here comes the new millennium, you know? Like, yeah. And now yeah, we're like, it's oh yeah, 20 years the, in. <laughs> as we, as we sort of looked at the brand, uh, a year or so ago, we realized a few things. One, New Millennium is no longer new, um, and and it sort of had a retro vibe as as sort of right. odd uh, odd a thing or ironic as that as that may be. Um, and then we also discovered that no one knows how to spell Millennium. Uh, you know, there there are a bunch of L's and M's in there somewhere, and yeah, uh, especially and so, them, especially yep. the uh, Millennium generation. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so can. anyway, so it just made sense to rebrand, and and we also wanted to to do a better job of, uh, you know, New Millennium Communications. People would ask, "Oh, are you in telecom?" And as it turns out, no. Yeah, um, interesting. And, yeah, and so that's where that's where through a a roundabout path we landed on finally on Codens. Well, my company's name used to be MSN Media, so I don't have any understanding of what you're talking about. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> of being confused for a different industry. How many people yeah. thought we were Microsoft because MSN, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, 
Yeah, but I'm not doing that again. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Branding a company and all of that. Uh, yeah, I'm happy that, that we're done and we've got our identity and we can move on. Yep, and you guys are doing awesome on the accounting stuff. So some of my clients are actually in the process of acquiring Genesis. That product's been around for a long time, too, and is doing great. Yeah, it's it's funny. Just like FileMaker exists in this world where a company can graduate from, say, spreadsheets and documents and so forth, but isn't ready for an enterprise-grade solution, Genesis fits right in that sort of ecosystem as mm-hmm. well, where you know you've got a small business or no longer a small business, say a medium-sized business, ready to graduate from uh, QuickBooks or what have you, but isn't ready to take on a, you know, Microsoft Dynamics or Sage or, or what have you. Uh, Genesis, especially for an organization that is uh, committed to the FileMaker platform, makes a world of sense. And so it's, it, it's one of those uh, best-of-both-worlds ideas where you can adopt uh, you can adopt Genesis for accounting and finance and analytics reasons, but then also stay on the FileMaker platform. You can customize with it and so forth. Right, yeah. So I we, like that. We found, a, we found a really strong niche with it. Hmm, good. I think verticals, I, I, I really enjoyed the verticals that I've been associated with over the decades. Um, uh, at Pre One, Smart Publisher was one, and I had a couple actually before then and a couple since then. And we're building a few more now at AppWorks. It's really, really fun. But yeah, starting starting with a new one is, is tough. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it, it's funny because accounting, by and large, and, and when I say accounting, I really mean sort of, yes, there's the, you know, AR and AP and mm-hmm. general ledger and so forth. Those are really sort of common solved problems in the universe. Um, but then when you add the FileMaker ecosystem to the mix, uh, or the FileMaker platform, rather, um, then you get a whole bunch of other capabilities and you can add all kinds of customization and so forth, which oh, yeah. you know, of course, of course, you know, um, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily buy Genesis say if all you wanted was an off the shelf accounting solution. Yeah, exactly. It has to be quick books online. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we're not going to compete with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not not well. Um, but uh, if you want something that is a combination of, of both the FileMaker platform and you want to go ahead and, and not reinvent the wheel in the finance side of things, that's where that's where it makes sense to, to work yeah, with. Yeah, for it. sure. Yeah. So there's two other things on the agenda that I wanted to ask you about today. Please. Maybe more, actually. But one of them is the, the 4242U... <laughs> It's still 22. so confusing because there's two for two for you in our in our FileMaker ah, there we go, uh, yeah. world. But yeah, 42U, which is the internship program that FileMaker is sponsoring. Yep. And you've actually hired a couple of interns from that. I've I've interviewed a bunch of them, and we haven't had a perfect fit and perfect timing in the ones in the two rounds that we've been through so far. Sure. But I would love to hear your experience about that. Yeah, and and it's a topic about which I'm I'm quite passionate and. I'm really excited to see FileMaker sponsoring it through the 42 Silicon Valley School mm-hmm. um, because it, it it both helps folks in our shoes um, uh, get good, solid candidates who have some support and have some background in FileMaker so we're not out sort of fishing around in the universe um, uh, trying to, to create our own internship programs out of whole cloth. But then, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, FileMaker can only take it so far. So I think it's a really good marriage between what FileMaker and Apple can do, what 42 brings to the table, and then mm-hmm. where we uh, third-party uh, entities come in. 
So here's my synopsis of the program. Correct me if it's wrong. It's basically it's a it's a university kind of a program, except the students don't have to pay and they can live in the dorm there. So it's a really great thing for someone who has a career. Maybe they've done something for 10 years and they want to change to a tech field yeah. and they can get training on FileMaker by people who are really good at training, um, not just like, you know, going to like a, a rent local training center that doesn't that's not FileMaker specialized. Right. And also really deep training in a lot of other technologies. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting program. There are a couple different axes. You, mm-hmm. You've got one absolutely right. Students don't pay. So oftentimes you're dealing with folks from, say, non-traditional backgrounds where, for whatever reason, they weren't able to afford or carve time in life for a traditional four-year university. Mm-hmm. The 42 program is accelerated um, and, uh, and obviously free. So it's super competitive. I mean, really, really smart people. Even applying. to get in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that in and of itself, I think, is is worth the price of admission. When when you're talking to interns from 42, you're really talking to some some very capable people. And you're also speaking with folks who are not necessarily just fresh out of high school. They've been out in the world. They maybe have already had sort of a, a career of sorts mm-hmm. um, and have chosen for whatever reason to get into software. So they tend to be self-starters. They're self-motivated. They've already learned some business, uh, uh, you know, business tools or business habits. Um, there's a maturity there. But then the program itself is also interesting in that it is, it's not a traditional lecture-style uh, educational program where you, you, you know, you go to class and you listen to a professor talk about, you know, whatever he or she knows um, to to share with you. More, it's it's about online resources. It's about self-paced study. And so it's really on the student. Right. 42, what 42 does is they say, all right, here's an environment in which learning is happening. Uh, they set up peer groups and they basically give you a pile of online resources and say, all right, go to work. And there's this whole sort of gamification structure to it where uh, people are not only um, uh, encouraged to but compelled to step through the various stages of the program. And, and in some ways, it's actually competitive in that, you know, if you don't do the work, you, you wash out of the, of the mm, program. Okay. Um, and so um, it's really on the students to, to make the most of it, to pick their areas of focus um, and, um, and, and to complete their education. So you, so you get some really strong people from it. So I have and so, two, I have two yeah, questions about it. Kind of at the end of when we got to the part of the program where we were actually <clears throat> selecting candidates and making offers, the salary requirements. I'm not sure if it's because of Silicon Valley, but where they were really high. I mean, um, as high as like hiring uh, a fairly you know, somewhat experienced developer. Sure. Uh, yeah. And they were getting a lot of offers. So I mean. They, you know, these students have a lot of choices when they come out of the program. And then the yeah, second one is how to do. keep them, how to keep them really interested in FileMaker and, and retain them as an employee long term, because they've learned some other really good, sexy technologies, too, um, that actually kind of have a larger uh, base in the market. For example, like, you know, becoming really good at JavaScript or, right. you know, um, a lot of a lot of other technologies out there. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll take the the second question first. Um, in terms of where the interns' focus or interests lie, mm-hmm. when we were interviewing interns, we definitely picked up on some folks were interested in just technology in general, and they were excited about web technologies or 
or, or what have you. And those are the folks that we're going to want to stay, no doubt, in Silicon Valley and, um, you know, perhaps pursue careers in, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, we were careful to focus with the interns with whom we spoke to say, no, no, we're a FileMaker shop. And, mm-hmm. um, and Codence is 100% based around FileMaker. We do do some integration work and we do mm-hmm. a little bit of web programming, but our, you know, the, the whole heart and soul of the team um, lives on the FileMaker platform. And so we were careful to make very clear uh, to folks. Uh, there was one uh, intern with whom we were speaking that we really liked. He's a very sharp guy, um, but it was obvious that his interests ultimately lay elsewhere. And so we, we opted not to, to go that route. So I think it's just really important to be clear about expectations coming in the door as to what technology mix uh, your organization has to offer and what you're mm-hmm. interested in from an intern. Um, the, the good news was we had two folks uh, that came through the second round of internships who were both very passionate about what they'd seen with FileMaker and were both very interested in FileMaker. And, mm-hmm. um, and so for us, that was a perfect fit. It was almost a no-brainer to bring them on board. Did they move out or stay in the, in the Silicon Valley? or? Yeah, so they're, they're both presently remote. Um, they've both since gone back to uh, their hometowns mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and we're working with them remotely and you know, about half our company is remote. The other half is in the sort of Denver Boulder area. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're adapting to, to that working style and for the internships, it worked out. Okay. Again, these, these folks are, you know, they're mature and they have families and, you know, they, they, they know, they know how to get up in the morning and brush their teeth and, you know, show up for work on time. Right. And so, yeah. forth. um, so we, we haven't had any issues along those lines. Okay. Um, it's tempting if, if we do get to the point, one of them we've been talking about, um, having her move out to, to Denver at some point because it'd be mm-hmm. great to I still think there's a lot of value to working in person and so right. to the degree that we can we encourage that but we didn't require it for the internship program which made us more attractive um, uh, you know there were a lot of interns that were interested in working remotely uh, with the team and there aren't that many companies in the FileMaker community who are right in the Bay Area right yeah on the on the cost side, um, FileMaker has said as a general guideline that they encourage uh, third parties like us, partners like us, to pay somewhere in the range of sort of the low twenties to high twenties per hour. Um, okay. And uh, you know, given the realities of where these folks can go in life and what job offers are out there for them, that's competitive. And so um, we just sort of said, well, gosh, you know, budgeting for that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, I mean, I hate to use a cliche, but you get what you pay for. And yeah. we've tried the sort of free or cheap internship route. Um, back at Saliant, we, uh, uh, we experimented with internships a couple times uh, over the course of, the f- of a number of years. And I've just, the more I've worked with internships, the more I've come to realize that you really should approach it from a, this is an entry level person and they need support. And there is a, uh, to some degree, there's a, uh, a gamble or a commitment that you need to bring to the table mm-hmm. that is like, yep, I'm going to pay these people well, but more importantly, I'm going to support them well. Um, yeah. Training and uh, yeah. Uh, plugging them into really good challenges and totally. all the uh, feedback. Yeah. There yeah, was, all that. N- a number of years ago, we I hired an intern, a really sharp 
guy and I forget what now offhand what school he came from, but it was a you know noteworthy school in the Bay Area and so forth. And um, we just did a poor job of of supporting him, of training mm-hmm. him, of getting him involved with project work and so forth. And mm-hmm. so you know after some number of months, it just kind of fizzled out, and it was it was very dissatisfying. We ended up wasting a chunk of dough on it and and so forth. Um, so I think that for an FBA partner considering an in- internship, sure the money's important. So mm-hmm. if you can afford to hire someone at that, then you know, commit to it. Oh, and I, I didn't mention, um, the folks at FileMaker, again, they've encouraged, uh, you know, something in the sort of low to mid twenties per hour, but then also that you commit at least to 20 hours a week. Um, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and so it, it's not a, but not you know, 40 huh? time. Yeah, but not 40. Exactly. Uh, and that's just their recommendation. That's okay. not to say that you can't, uh, come up with a different arrangement with an individual intern. It's really up to the intern to decide what kind of an opportunity makes sense for them and, you know, what they need in life and, and so forth. So for us, that worked out really well. We hired two folks, $20 or uh, 20 hours a week mm-hmm. for I've forgotten, but something in the mid twenties per hour okay. um, and just put them to work. But then more important than the money, uh, you need to, as an organization commit to having interns on board. And so what we did is we set up weekly training sessions where someone from the team would present a topic. Um, and we actually invited the entire team to these training sessions. They turned out to be very popular. I was really surprised. I was like, hey, cool. Um, it, I mean, you know, it's sort of the, the entire company getting together for an hour and a half each week was, uh, you know, sort of their productivity implications, of course, but sure. uh, it turned out to be a really great thing. So we set up a formal once a week gathering for training. Uh, and then we also assigned an individual coach uh, so that the two interns could turn to that person when they had technical questions or just needed to learn, you know, hey, where the where's the file share or you know, whatever that you guys use. Um, so we had a coach and then that coach met one-on-one with each of them once a week as well. Um, and then there are ad hoc discussions on, you know, on Slack or, or what have you. Hmm, okay. Um, and so what we tried to do is we, we laid out um, a bit of a curriculum. It was it was loose. It wasn't formal. But we, we basically identified, okay, well, here's what we need these guys to learn. You know, setting up server, for example. Um, you know, we, we focused on that one week. And, you know, you, you just shared with me a, a nightmarish backup problem that you're su- oh, yeah. suffering so, um, which I wanted know, to talk about briefly. <laughs> so, uh, getting getting them to the point where they could uh, get around in server, for example, is one of the things that we focused on. Yeah. We also focused on, you know, data modeling and and uh, best practices around doing wireframes before, you know, getting into layout mode and building a a solution for a client, that kind of stuff. Yep. Since you reminded me, I'll totally go into that, that tech nerd thing. Share this this sort of nightmare thing that happened. Um, one of our customers, we have a t- lot of customers on AWS, and AWS is perfect, um, pretty much. But this database crept in size kind of quickly over to over 100 gigs for the database, even though most of the uh, photos and stuff like that are external. <clears throat> um, some of them weren't, and so the file size got really large. And a couple days ago, the backup failed to work correctly. So the regular FileMaker backup system, um, 
instead of successfully backing up the file, it put him into a paused state, attempted to back up the, 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 the this one large file, but failed to do it. So the, it wrote a corrupted file to disk and then corrupted the main database to the point where it needed to be recovered to be open. It's been, a, it's been years since I've seen a file on FileMaker server after any kind of a crash fail to just come up after a consistency check. Years. I maybe like FileMaker Server 11 since I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've had the same experience. Week. Server yeah. has been really solid these past yeah. few, not even past few, but past number of releases. It's been yeah, really, so I'm really not, solid. I'm not sure what the cause of it is. Maybe that maybe some corruption creeped into the file, and so the file was actually kind of sitting there damaged. That can sometimes happen. Uh, and then that damage is what caused the backup to fail, which also caused the file to be corrupt. Or I don't really know, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. File corruption still is something to watch out for. Yep. We're actually doing a, a very large project right now, which when deployed will have hundreds of users across eight different locations. And we've been experimenting with different hosting environments, AWS being one. Mm -hmm. uh, we ruled out FileMaker Cloud. We're thinking about doing also an internal uh, server setup, mm -hmm. not at Codence, but rather at the clients. Mm -hmm. And doing load testing, performance testing, and so forth has has really uncovered a ton of, of pretty interesting stuff. We actually, this is an aside, but we actually uh, set up a, a process whereby we spin up multiple instances on AWS of clients, mm -hmm. and we're able to actually do real load testing. So we can we can throw 100 or 200 users at a database and then run routines concurrently to see what the effects are. And then we've also... Uh, uh, set up routines that replicate data so that we can see, oh, okay, you know, what's going to happen to this database when you've got 150 users and, a, you know, million records or a million rows of data in these right. tables and so forth. It's been a fascinating process. And to get back to the point, um, we did uncover uh, some file corruption uh, that hmm. went way back to, um, uh, you know, would have been, uh, I don't know when the file was created, sort of what what version of FileMaker, but it, it's the some of these files. And this is I'm not talking about Genesis. I'm talking about a an in-house solution that was built. Um, right. That in-house solution had been used, and it's in production and so forth. And we tied in the accounting system to it. Um, uh, we we discovered corruption that has sort of been a part of those files for many many years. Yeah, uh, the good happen. news is we we were able to clean it out and root it out. You know some of the objects on layouts that were were a problem, and and now they very comfortably pass a consistency. It's kind check. of interesting, right? You can take when you could do a, a what I call it is a test recover. So you take a backup of the file and you recover the backup so that this you're not yeah. down, yeah. and then read really carefully that um, recover log file. Look yep. at the specific objects that actually said their errors, which are pretty easy to find because the column, if you look at it in a column, they show up with a specific error code. And then it'll say, like, this layout, this script, this whatever is corrupted. Go to that, find that yeah. object, delete it, um, uh, re-recover the file until you get no errors. And, and most exactly. of the time, that actually really will address the issue. Yeah, it's actually really cool. So no longer, you know, when in the past it used to be if a file was corrupted, it was like, well, gosh, we don't know what to do, you know, and and right. you're kind of you're kind of stuck. You either hope the file will survive or you recreate it. Um, but now yep. you can go in through diagnostic tools and figure out exactly what objects or what you know pieces of the puzzle need to be reworked, and and so it makes it a, a totally you know a problem that you can deal with. 
Uh, let's see. One other thing I want to talk to you about was an upcoming conference. Pause on air. This is really on the warpath these days. Yeah. There's uh, the first international pause on air conference is coming up in Tulum, Mexico, uh, yeah. April 8th to 11th. It, it sounds pretty awesome. The, uh, the location is, uh, definitely appealing. Yes. Yeah. Right by the, uh, there's some pyramids and some really cool ancient ruins there. Um, it sounds like a, just a really wonderful resort and kind of place to be. And also, uh, multilingual. So there's going to be, you know, sessions in other languages, which I think will be interesting. Nice. Um, not just English and Spanish, but I think other, possibly other languages as well. Cool. Um, well, they've invited that anyway. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, Man, are you planning you, on going or sending people? You, you know, I, I, I was just talking to one of our folks this week about that. We hadn't made a final decision, but it's definitely appealing. And it's very appealing to, to couple it with some time off and, and yep. you know, go hang out, uh, especially in April. Though April's nice here in Denver, but yeah. anyway, it's uh, it's definitely very appealing. April's you, nice in you, Portland, but, I, but I'm thinking about it in January. <laughs> ah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, we were talking on, on top of each other, but like uh, I was making a silly point about whether it doesn't, it's not worthy of the podcast. <laughs> How do you position uh, Pause on Air differently from DevCon? Oh, it's so different. It's it's a, always a much smaller conference, and so the uh, it's much more communicative among the people who are there. Um, you can you know you can go to DevCon. I mean, it's so big now with 1,500 people or something like that. I can go to DevCon now, and someone who I've known for a really long time, I never see them. Hmm. I can go to DevCon for the whole five days or whatever, not see someone, which hmm. is weird, right? You can't – at pause, like the last pause, the security one, which was great, um, was one – it was all plenary, everybody in one room together, and all the sessions, everybody was at every session. So all the conversation, everybody was included. Hmm, um, cool. So I loved that aspect of it. Plus, we took a really, really deep dive into some really cool security aspects. Um, and I made commitments that I have not yet met, but I will, <laughs> about a uh, security <laughs> checklist we've been working on. Nice. Well, it sounds like a great format. I'm, uh, I'll admit I'm very tempted. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very good. Um, it's much more self-organizing. So like, if you want to give a session... Uh, you don't have to jump through the hoops and make a video to present. You just kind of, um, you do, it's not just like you can just show up and talk about anything. You have right. to, there, there is a process to be, to submit something and actually get approved for it so that the quality stays high. And I think that's good. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how many concurrent sessions. I haven't really looked too much at the schedule for this one. We're going to have three people at it from AppWorks. Nice. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to speak yet. I often like to talk about AWS, which is the thing most near and dear to my heart these days. Um, <clears throat> but we do tons of other aspects too. And then the two other people, uh, David from our company probably will talk about user interface stuff. He's, he's a really great UX UI designer mm -hmm. in no particular order. Thanks. Uh, and Kimberly, who's our, uh, the president of the company now. And she, um, will talk about, I don't know. She has tons of great things she can talk about too. I think Thanks. she also uh, submitted a couple of sessions for DevCon. Cool. Well, it sounds like a great event. Yeah, it's good. You, I highly recommend you send people to it. And it's nice. probably yeah. going to sell out. I think the tickets have sold out really quickly, so you mm, don't, okay. don't take too long. And um, Yeah, being Denver, it's kind of like mm, south and a little bit east from you, maybe? Yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah. So, well, it's January. we got to do some budgeting and uh, yep. 
figure it out. But uh, but it's a great it's a great conference. It's shaping up to be a really good year for more cool FileMaker innovation. Um, I don't see things slowing down or really changing much in our world. <laughs> yeah, it seems no. things seem really good. Yeah, it seems like the the market as a whole is really healthy. It seems like every FBA person that I talk to is you know, talking about being busy and so forth, which is yeah. why for me recruiting is uh, is something I I think you know from interns all the way up to very experienced people, it's something I definitely am spending a good bit of time on these days. Mm-hmm. That's definitely worthy. Is that is, is are you finding it difficult to find people? Uh, like sure. A- I mean, um, we're in a, a bit of a challenging place in the world in that we need folks who are uh, literate in accounting and finance, mm-hmm. uh, at least concepts. Um, but uh, we do have folks on staff who are CPAs and who have – uh, you know, years of business consulting and have coupled that with uh, some filemaker understanding. And so finding those right people with both skill sets uh, can be a challenge. Um, right. But then also, you know, again, I, I touched on earlier, uh, ideally we have folks here in Denver and that can be a challenge uh, at times. Um, so, and I think this is true for all, all the folks in the filemaker community that hiring really solid uh, developer consultants, depending on what kind of, you know, are you in-house or are you a third-party consulting firm, can be a, a challenge. Yep, um, for sure. And then, you know, just going through the whole recruiting process to figure out if someone's a, a right good fit for a given team and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's one of the, I think it's the most important thing that a company leader does is, is recruit. I'll take that advice straight to the heart (laughs) (laughs) because I think you're right. Yeah. Well, it also depends on, you know, it it determines the folks with whom you work and that's true. Yeah. You know, those, those become your friends and colleagues and, and you end up spending lots and lots of time with them. So that's important. Yeah. Recruiting and then development of the people like um, really, working so that they know how much you care about them and their success and their happiness and their fulfillment in, in the work that they do, you know, creating that space where that, um, to me, that's really important. Yeah. Um, I agree. And also very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, When someone someone comes on board, it's, you know, your work is just starting and it's incumbent as much on them to roll up their sleeves and contribute. And, you know, in the, if you're a consulting company, of course, generate billable hours and all that. Sure. Then, it's on it's on the company to provide an environment and a team in which that's an enriching experience and worth doing because we all have choices in life. Yes, we do. One of one of them is uh, to go to Mexico for a pause conference. <laughs> Look at me trying to sell you on this. <laughs> that's right. Hey, there's a there's a there's a quality of life uh, pitch in here somewhere. I yeah, should take true. some time off and and uh, go learn something. Yeah. And or share something. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Um, what was there anything else on the agenda? We I think we've kind of exhausted a good list of topics here. I you know I think I think that uh, that covers it, Matt. All I'm right. happy to come back again and and talk on other topics. I uh, uh, I love cooking, so if you want a good good recipe or something at some point, I'll 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 bring that to the table. I definitely do. 
you know what? Let's just go on a quick aside here. Give me a good <laughs> recipe for, for like chicken and vegetables and I'm making dinner for some friends tonight, like chicken and chicken I don't know. And vegetables. Any... All right. Well, I tell you what, I will, I will, I will go there with you. So get a whole chicken, mm-hmm. dump it in a Ziploc bag with buttermilk. Really? And, yeah. Okay. Trust me, you will, this will change your life. Okay. Um, so buttermilk, uh, put it in a Ziploc, throw in some herbs like uh, rosemary and a little bit of thyme, uh, okay. salt and pepper. Let it sit in there for a good day. So if this is something you're planning on tonight, maybe, right. maybe not that's work. Okay. not as helpful. But uh, just let it sit and soak for you know the better part of a day. Okay. Then just roast it. Stick it in the oven and bake it, and it will. The buttermilk will help get the skin nice and crispy. A lot of good flavor. The buttermilk will be kind of, there will be sort of a tang to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it will grow great with vegetables and so forth. So there you go. World's Pretty simple. easiest roast chicken recipe. Nice. I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Scott. Always, always yeah, good to bet. talk. And I'm thanks really glad we finally got on the podcast. Yeah, likewise. All right. Thanks. See ya.